This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. <laughs> okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. everybody, it's Nick Layton. And it's Leah Bonima. And we had so many great questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! Now, we have a bonus episode. So, here we go. Our first question is, quote, My mother-in-law gifted a bath bomb as a stocking stuffer to my husband, a self-proclaimed lover of baths. While this was a thoughtful gift, things took a turn for the worst last night when he actually used it. It turned his skin orange. Like the worst fake tan you can imagine. He ruined a white towel, which now looks like it was tie-dyed. And after an hour of intense scrubbing, our tub still has a light Barbie pink glow to it. I'm not upset with my mother-in-law, as I know she truly had the best intentions and would be mortified if she knew what mayhem this little gift caused. And I feel an obligation to politely inquire if any more of these bath bombs were purchased or gifted in order to hopefully prevent other recipients from having a similarly disastrous outcome. My husband insists that we need not tell his mom what happened because it would only make her feel bad. If it is right to tell her, what would be the most delicate and appropriate way to do so? I feel like my response to this, I started out with a certain okay. response and then I kind of walked around it mm. and then came to another response. Oh, what a journey. Well, before we get there, bath bomb, let's just explain what this is okay. for anybody who doesn't know. Basically, it is usually a spherical looking thing. Maybe, you know, the size of a, a wiffle ball sometimes. Maybe they're smaller. They come in different sizes and shapes. But basically, you put it in the bath, and it's like a big Alka-Seltzer. It usually, like, fizzes. And there's some scents usually, and I guess they're pigmented in some uh, some cases. And so you put it in the bath, and it kind of creates a more spa-like atmosphere, I guess. Mm. So that's a bath bomb. Um, I get that we don't want to make somebody feel bad about giving you a bad gift. So I understand that impulse. But I guess, is there a safety or health issue here? Well, I do think it's interesting that they said if it's right to tell her what would be the most delicate and appropriate way to do so. So they're saying, let's assume that it's right. What should I say? Well, the husband says that we don't need to tell mom. Yeah, that's why I feel very divided. I often feel like we should leave it to the person whose child it is to make the decision. Oh, okay. I think that's a valid way to approach this. Yes. That's how I originally thought of it. Because if I had something and I said to my partner, I don't want you to tell my mom, and then they told my mom. Oh, well, sure. No, that would be a huge boundary crossing. That's right. how I would feel. Okay. But then I thought about, 
I often feel like women are held to a different kind of accountability. And I could imagine the mother-in-law saying, you should have told me. Oh, okay. Specifically to our letter writer. To our letter writer, not her (laughs) son. Right. I see. Yeah. We live in a world that that happens. Yeah. I guess the way I'm thinking of it is, was this the only bath bomb purchased? And could we potentially warn someone else? Because like, if I got a bath bomb and hadn't used it yet, I think I'd want to know that I could turn into an Oompa Loompa, right? Would I not want this warning? Well, also, the other thing is, is like, say you used it, you turn into an Oompa Loompa. Right. You called the mother-in-law and said, oh, no, I just wanted to let you know about this bath bomb. Mother-in-law calls this household. They said, oh, we know. And then mother-in-law says, you should have told us. Oh, there's that, too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if the mother-in-law calls you and you've already used it, should you admit to the problem or not? I guess you kind of have to. You can't pretend that it didn't happen. You have to. You can't lie. Right. Yeah. It's so layered. But I don't want to go against what the child of the parent, like if they fully believe that you shouldn't tell, then I sort of feel like your hands are tied. Yes. You can't override the child. However, I think our letter writer is hoping to use us as a way to convince the husband (laughs) that the mother should be told. I feel like that's our role here. I think that's what they want from us. Mm. And you know what? I think I'm going to give it to them. I, I do think we want to let mom know that there was a potential problem with the gift. I don't think we want to necessarily say that it was catastrophic, that it was, you know, we've ruined our tub and we now have to have it replaced. And we've ruined all the linens and I will be forever orange. It's now permanent. I don't think we want to have any of that. But I think a way to approach it could be almost like, oh, isn't this funny that this happened and send a photo Like, oh, here's your son. He just used the bath bomb. It was a little orange, but it was very relaxing. And kind of leave it there. Mm, Interesting. I have to think on that. Like kind of make it a lighthearted, like, oh, isn't it funny that this happened? And the other option being, I'm thinking about what you said because I hadn't thought of that. The other, the only other option in Italian would be like, hey, he loves bath bombs. Always loves your bath bomb. I just felt like I should let you know it has a skin staining quality in case you gave... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm saying this is the other, This, how else would we? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be like a, thank you so much for the bath bomb. Chad used it last night. The pigment in this batch was maybe a little stronger than maybe we were expecting. So maybe if there's anybody else you gave this to, just give them a heads up that they just want to be mindful of that. I mean, I feel like that's the only other way to do it. But I think being silent, I don't like that. I don't, I don't think we like say nothing about a gift that is like a problem. This gift is a problem. You gave me something that actually caused damage to my person and my house. So I, I think we don't want to like let that go. If we think other bath bombs were purchased, I think if we're the only recipient of a bath bomb, we're the only person in the family that likes baths, nobody else likes baths, everybody's a shower person, this was it, then... Then I think we let it go. Maybe we would let it go. Yeah, I guess the question at the end of the day is, are other people going to have a problem? And if we think so, then you should say something. But not if your husband is like laying down on the floor against it. Yes. If he is very firm on it, then we would just respect that. And then he uh, then shoulders the responsibility of the rest of the family getting dyed orange. That's it. Right? Yeah. I I think that's all you can do with this. Or just take showers. I mean, who wants to sit in your own water for 45 (laughs) minutes? I mean, nobody's asking us to weigh in on baths. I don't personally (laughs) like baths. Yeah, I'm a shower person, but uh, you do you. (laughs) So our next question is, quote, my mother-in-law has very strong feelings. Oh, and P.S., this is a different mother-in-law. 
not the same mother-in-law. <laughs> My mother-in-law has very strong feelings about thank you notes. She thinks they are unnecessary and a waste of time. Weird, right? Obviously, I know to never expect a thank you from her, and while it feels rude, I can live with it. Recently, she has taken to telling me to not send her a thank you note when she gives me a gift. Given that I was not raised by wolves, I'm accustomed to acknowledging gifts and niceties with a handwritten note, and not doing so feels uncomfortable. How should I proceed? Would it be okay to simply send a text with a photo of us using the gift and a line about how much we enjoy it? Is this enough? Help. I think if someone has explicitly said, please don't send me a thank you note, don't send the thank you note. Yeah, I mean... You have to respect that, I think. What I find so confusing is that this person has strong feelings about (laughs) thank you notes. I feel strongly about you never sending me a thank you note. I mean, that's unusual. I have not come across that before. Definitely uh, an opinion. Yeah. And I guess the question is, is the mother-in-law in in this story, does she object to the waste of time it is? Or does she object to the sentiment itself? Because if she objects to like, oh, it's a waste of time to put pen to paper and waste a stamp and mail it, then your text solution sounds fine. Because like, that's none of those things. If she objects to the idea of you expressing gratitude, then maybe you shouldn't even send the text. Oh, I couldn't, I didn't even occur to me that she would object to somebody sending gratitude. Well, I mean, how else do you want to interpret this? Please don't thank me ever. It's a waste of time. I, I specifically read it that she doesn't like things being mailed. Okay. I mean, she just has strong feelings about thank you notes. So I guess the the note is the thing, the physical note. I felt like it was really the paper that was. Okay. So in that case, I think, yes, send the text. Yeah, I think this actually fits into a larger etiquette topic, which is there are etiquette rules that we all as a society have sort of agreed on. But then we do not actually follow those rules so closely to the expense of actual people. Like an example of this is, being called how you want to be called. Like if you say like, oh, uh, call me Nick and I've said this to you. Yes, it would be polite to say, oh, Mr. Layton. But I've said, oh no, please call me Nick. If you keep calling me Mr. Layton, that is now rude. Even though as a society, we have agreed like, oh, we, we call people by formal names when we're introduced. Uh, but now it's rude because I've explicitly told you like, no, I actually would prefer you to just call me Nick. And so I think this is also similar. Like, yes, as a society, it is polite to send thank you notes. But here's somebody who said like, don't do it. I know the rule. I know what society says, but I don't want that. And so we ignore that rule, uh, which is global. And we just sort of individualize it for this person. And at the end of the day, that's the more considerate path. I'm more considerate of your feelings here because you've explicitly told me you do not want this thing to happen, even though as a society, we usually do it. I think that's the perfect full explanation summation. So depending on how she meant this, if she doesn't want any gratitude, don't do it at all. If she just didn't like the actual mailing of something, I think a text is fine. Right. But at the end of the day, I don't think we want to live in a society where everybody feels this way. Because, I mean, extrapolate that out. If everybody's like, I don't want you acknowledging gratitude. Like, how does that multiply over, you know, 8 billion people? That doesn't sound like a recipe for success. I don't think that this is the norm. It is definitely not the norm. But what if it became the norm? I mean, we can't live in a world of what ifs, Nick. It's a it's a slippery slope. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm I'm nervous for us <laughs> as a people. I mean, you should be. That's I mean, this is your opening it up, but let me say if you're not nervous about us as a people, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. So, our next question is, quote, when dining out with others, is it rude to order a course that no one else has ordered? For example, a salad when no one else has ordered one? I feel like this happens a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
Definitely at a more casual with friends kind of meal. Yeah, totally. And I feel like you just say, hey, I was going to order a salad. Did anybody else, do you guys mind? Are we, is there a time issue? And then if people are like, we're just doing one meal, I'll get it with my meal. Right. So I think generally speaking, when we're dining with people, we want to be mindful of everybody else. Like that's sort of etiquette 101 baseline. That's like what we're trying to achieve. So if it's a formal dinner where you're like with the boss or with a client, I think it is usually easier if everybody's sort of on the same journey with the same number of courses. And if you're a guest, you should definitely follow the lead of your host. So if your host is ordering that salad course, then you should probably do that. Or if your host is not ordering that salad course, then you should probably skip it. But when it's more casual and you're like, oh, I want the burrata. And you're like, I don't need burrata. I'm just going to have a main course. I think as long as there's that conversation before we order about like what everybody's doing, I think that's probably fine. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, guys, I was thinking of getting nachos up top. How does everybody feel about that? Yeah, I think if you're also offering to share, like, oh, should we get some extra side plates in case anybody wants some of this thing that I'm getting? Like, I think that's also nice. Yes. And I think if you were ordering first and it was a more formal occasion and you order first so you don't know what your host is doing, Mm. would you still pop out there? Hey, were we just doing main meals or did you guys want to get appetizers? I think if there is confusion and it's a formal meal, I think it's fine to ask like, oh, what is everybody doing? Are we going to do three courses or what is everybody thinking? Yeah, I think just ask what everybody's doing. And you can even have that conversation at a formal meal, too. You know, just like, oh, what's what's everybody thinking? What looks good? You can always frame it that way. Like, oh, what looks good? What's catching your eye? And if your host is like, oh, I was thinking of the halibut appetizer, then you're like, oh, appetizers, that's on your radar. Okay. So I, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think maybe sending out a few little little feelers so you know what everybody's doing. To, to our letter writer's question, is it rude if nobody else has ordered one? Not necessarily, no. Yeah, I think it depends on what the, if everybody was like, hey, I'm, I'm in a really b- big hurry and I just wanted to, right. and then you order like seven courses, I think, yeah, that's rude. Right, no, if you are like trying to do pre-theater dining and everybody just needs to grab a quick salad and you are like, oh, can I get the Peking duck that takes 24 hours? Like, no. So I think it depends on the situation. And one thing to note, if you get an extra course, don't be that person at the end of the meal, which is like, let's just split it evenly, guys. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. If yeah. you get the extra course, make sure pay you know that goes on your right. receipt. Yeah. Do not make other people pay for your extra course. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier when I was talking about the nachos. And then I was like, and the nachos would then go on my bill. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So, Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right? Because she's an antiques dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person, very confident mm-hmm. woman, wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And 
now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. So our next question is, quote, My husband and I went to a climbing gym with a couple we had recently met. Upon sitting down on the couches at the climbing gym to put on our climbing shoes, one of the people, let's call him Chad, started clipping his fingernails and let the nails just fall to the floor. No, not just a tiny hangnail. He clipped every single fingernail and let the clippings fall to the floor with no intention of cleaning them up. My question is not about whether this is proper etiquette. We all know it's not. But my question is, what are we to do? Do we just let him leave his finger clippings on the ground and say nothing? Do we politely offer him a trash can or find a broom? I felt so bad that the gym staff would eventually come upon a pile of fingernails. In the moment, we sadly did nothing about it. But we're hoping to be better prepared if this ever comes up again. So I print out the questions. Yeah. So I could write little notes. I almost Mm -hmm. set the paper on fire after reading this question. (laughs) Can you imagine how mortified our letter writer felt? I mean, I can't imagine. It's mortifying. Because what I can experience is the sound. Oh, the sound is the worst. The clip, clip, clip. I mean, just to- As you slowly realize what's happening and then you're like, they're clip, they're dropping it. We're sitting here. We are associated with these people. Someone's going to have to clean it up mortifying. The guilt by association part, I think I would have trouble with. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also for our letter writer, I mean, this is one of those things where how could you have planned for this? Yeah, there's no back pocket sentence that you can whip out for this. No. And the idea that it would ever come up again. Well, we're going to see these people again. Like that's on the table. I don't know. I'm not going to go out in public with these people. I couldn't handle that. Mm -hmm. That's too much. Yeah, because I mean, somebody who does this, what else is on that list? What else is this person capable of? And they've opened a door into a world that I think is, the options are limitless. Oh yeah, the limit does not exist. I would, I think the first time I would be too knocked over to deal with it in the moment. Yes, I I mean, I think the best you can do if this happens again, which I hope it does not, is I think we first start with a puzzled, confused look. Just say, I'm confused about what I'm seeing (laughs) and see if, if that actually does anything. Just uh, Which my guess is that it won't. Yeah, just bewilderment. I've been with friends when like something happened. I actually haven't been with friends who would, I can't say I've been with, I haven't been around this. No. But I've definitely had somebody do something that I didn't want a third party to have to clean up. And I would say, let me just go get a broom. Yeah. I mean, I think what our letter writer doesn't want to do is embarrass the person. I think that's their instinct here. Oh, of course. You don't want to embarrass the person, but at a certain point- You should be embarrassed by this. This person, they should be embarrassed. This is so yeah. rude to do to people that work there and everybody around who has to listen to your nail clipping. Right. And just a reminder, 
we don't clip our nails in public. That's one of the things I do not <laughs> miss about New York City is people sitting next to me on the train clipping their nails. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a thing that happens more often than it should in New York City. Mm. Greatest city in the world, everybody. So, <laughs> yeah, for this, I think beyond the bewilderment that we can express with our face, I think we could say something along the lines of like, oh, let me give you a paper towel for the clippings. Yeah. I think paper towel feels like a little lighter, less aggressive than let me get a broom. Well, it depends on how big these clippings are. Oh my gosh. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess let me get a paper. Let me get it. Oh, let me get a paper towel for those clippings. Let me get a paper towel for you. And I think we say that in our best value neutral, non-judgmental tone, which you will have to practice because that will be very difficult. And we just sort of like give them the paper towel and we hope that they then collect their clippings in the paper towel and throw it away. Oh, let me get a paper towel for you. And then the silent, you monster, that's silent. It's like the K and night. How do you feel about giving your confused look to Chad's partner here? Do you think she's culpable? Do you think she sees it? I hate holding partners responsible for the bad behavior of their... Right. I don't think we want to hold her responsible, but do you think we can use her as a tool to get a message across. Maybe we should give it a shot. We should give the look to both party members. Because like there's the car ride home in which she can be like, you know what you did back there was not cool. Like there could be that car ride conversation. Although how can this be the first time? How could this be the first? Although it's a couple they recently met. We don't know how long this couple's been together. I wonder if this couple actually broke up after this. Because if I didn't know this about somebody and I went on a date with them, and then they clipped their nails and left it, A, in public at all. And then B, thought that they, it was just fine to drop their nails on the ground and have somebody else clean them up. I would be like, this touches to a much deeper side of their personality and I will never date them again. I feel like the unspoken part of this letter is that couple broke up afterwards. Yeah, I'd be surprised <laughs> if we went climbing again. I mean, I like the, um, we'll do a look of shock. I, I think look is always nice because also in etiquette, we always want some level of plausible deniability. And so sometimes a look allows us a little more plausible deniability about the horror and disgust that we feel inside. Mm. So it's always a good place to start. And we can always escalate from there. Start with a look. Then we move to the, let me get a paper towel. And then so fun doing this climbing with you people. We should totally do it again sometime. Meaning never. <laughs> I can't. So our next question is, quote, I have a question about a Dungeons and Dragons group. My husband and I are in a D&D group with some friends from college. Everyone in the group, apart from us, live about 15 minutes away from each other. My husband and I live in another state, so we always call in on Zoom to play. The first few rounds of the game were so much fun, but the game is taking much longer than we anticipated. We meet on Thursday nights, and while our friends are okay staying up until midnight to play, my husband and I would rather go to bed at a normal hour so we're well rested for the day ahead. We both agree that we want to leave the group, but there's a caveat. The friends who invited us to the group asked me to be a bridesmaid at their wedding in four months. What should we do? I am delighted that we're getting questions about D&D groups up my alley. <laughs> okay. And explain what is D&D to somebody who may not know. Dungeons and Dragons is a fantasy game. It involves storytelling. Yes, it's a role-playing game. Some people dress up. I have a cape. Yeah, okay. And basically there are quests that you go on. And uh, there's a dungeon master who sort of leads the story and everybody plays a different character and different things happen in the story. And depending on how maybe the die is rolled, 
different things may happen. You'll either be able to unlock the door or you won't. Different characters have different strengths and weaknesses. Right, yes. I think it was an orc. So I think I was very strong, but I couldn't do much else. <laughs> so, which, you know, uh, art imitates life. So the idea of D&D, though, is that also takes forever. It I does. mean, it is not unusual for a game to go from three to 12 hours. Like, that's, and that's just one quest. I mean, quests uh, then continue. You are on campaigns forever. It kind of never has to end. But one quest can really be hours and hours and hours. So it is not unusual for them to be playing till midnight, of course. Yes. So, okay. So we have this game and you would like to bow out. Okay, fine. I think it is perfectly reasonable to say to these people, it's been so fun. Unfortunately, we just can't stay up as late as we need to. So I think you have a couple of choices. Can we make the quest shorter? You know, it is possible the dungeon master could make a quest two hours and very sort of mini quest. Totally possible. Or you join the Zoom, hang out, but you're not a player. You're just an observer and that's fine. You can hang out and watch the game happening on Zoom. Or you just bow out altogether and be like, unfortunately, it's just not working for our weeknight schedule. So sorry, we can't do it. I think all of those are possible. I don't think that in any way relates to being a bridesmaid in four months. Right. That is where I'm very confused. How are we taking the leap from being in this Dungeons and Dragons Zoom group that we don't have time for to jeopardizing our entire relationship where I'm no longer eligible to be a bridesmaid or somehow this will be catastrophic for our relationship. How are we going from A to B? I mean, if this is the kind of person that if you're like, I have to get up early and I can't stay up this late and then they take it so personally that they unbridesmaid you, I, I just... But that's what it sounds like. We are concerned that that is a possibility. It is completely reasonable and absolutely fine that you can't stay up until midnight. On a Thursday. On Correct. a Thursday. Yes. Yeah. We don't live in this world. Sure. There's nothing rude about that, that you can't stay up that late on a work night. So I think we just explain that in a nice, polite way, yeah. which is fine. And if they take it so badly that they're like, how dare you? How dare you leave our Dungeons and Dragons group and they banish you from the kingdom? I guess maybe your relationship was not as strong as you thought. I also think Nick's idea of like, I'll come for the beginning because I like hanging out, but we can't stay up this late. I think that's a nice compromise. Yeah. Like we'll join on Zoom when we can, which will maybe be weekly anyway, but we just have to bow out at 1030. And that's absolutely reasonable. Totally reasonable. And not rude in any way. Do you think it's a D&D themed wedding? I hope so. I mean, if it is, I would love to go. Me too. So do you have questions for us about Dungeons and Dragons or anything else? Please let us know. You can let us know through our website, wherearaisedbywolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So, Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives, then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift, and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. 
Right? Because she's an antiques dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person, very confident mm-hmm. woman, wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. Okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. 